Hello, and welcome to another edition of Digging In, Missouri Farm Bureau's podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Garrett Hawkins, and I have the privilege of serving as president of this organization. With me today is one of our newest staff members. Actually, you may be the newest at this point, Dan. I think I am. <laughs> so, Mr. Dan Ingeman, hopefully by this point you all have been reading uh, his regulatory updates in the legislative newsletter, and uh, hopefully you've been seeing him around. So Dan joined the team uh, right at the beginning of the year, uh, bringing to the table a lot of state and federal experience. So he has big shoes to fill as Leslie Holloway retired as our Director of Regulatory Affairs at the end of the year. So so Dan, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Garrett. I I, uh, was talking with Elizabeth this morning, and I mentioned that I reference Leslie as the legendary Leslie Holloway, so that's a great responsibility to bear on my end. So yeah, uh, week number four here, and uh, just digging right in on the issues. So Dan, for our listeners, why don't you just give a little bit of your background, because we're going to talk today about water, and more specifically, EPA's latest attempt to rewrite Clean Water Act rules. You know a little bit about water growing up uh, along the Missouri River. So tell us a little yeah, bit about your background. Yeah, so uh, born and raised in Herman, and uh, that's where I live today with my family. Uh, my family's farm there. Uh, we have a century farm, actually, in uh, Rhineland, Missouri, so li- little Germany on the Missouri River. Uh, goes, we've uh, traced it back to 1870. So, we, you know, we have we farm uh, cattle in the, in the Missouri River hills, kind of that first set of hills past the river bottoms and about um, – just shy of uh, about 3,000 acres of row crop um, exclusively in the Missouri River bottom. So it's it's feast or famine, you know, based on that river. So, uh, and also uh, before I came into this role, I served five years as the executive director of the Coalition to Protect the Missouri River. So uh, the job there was to keep the Missouri River open for business. So advocating for flood control slash agriculture, uh, navigation, utilities. So, um, you know, it's I had some some experience in the uh, congressional office working for Congressman uh, Blaine Lukemeyer, involved in some of these WOTUS proceedings before. But uh, really, um, you know, pardon the pun, but digging in here at a, at a whole whole different level here at Farm Bureau. Well, clearly, I think it doesn't take long for our members to realize why you're the perfect fit for this role. <laughs> uh, your you. experience truly spans all levels, and you your family's lived it and breathed it. Uh, yeah. Uh, literally uh, along the Missouri River. So since you've got here, though, you've had to, to really dive into an issue that, that you know has been a huge priority for Farm Bureau through the years. Yeah. And that's really trying to <clears throat> and that's really trying to uh, rein in uh, the Environmental Protection Agency and Army Corps of Engineer, Engineers and how they implement and carry out the Federal Clean Water Act. So we've talked a lot. You know, Clean Water Act was put in place in 1972 by Congress. And the one thing Congress didn't do at the time was draw a bright line, right, in how they define waters of the U.S. So can you give our listeners just where are we at? Because we were all very aware when President Biden took office that this issue, in particular the the navigable water protection rule that was put in place by the Trump administration, we knew it was going to be in the crosshairs. So – we heard early on from the administration that they were going to take a different stab at, at this, and now we're seeing that play out right now. So, so what actually is happening by the agencies? Yeah, so let's let's back up a little bit. Um, August of last year, there was a federal um, district court, um, you know, ruling that, that vacated the Trump era uh, 
NWPR, Navigable Waters Protection Rule that you mentioned. Um, so the agencies immediately started uh, going back, you know, turn back the clock, essentially. So they they uh, went back to the, the Obama era, you know, pre-2015 rule in terms of uh, jurisdiction. Um, so what they've got now is, you, you know, in this, um, it was cited that you know, there was significant environmental degradation going on with uh, just one year into uh, the Trump era rule, which, you know, we at Farm Bureau uh, really questioned, you know, what was going on. So, like you said, our members had, you know, these bright jurisdictional lines here on what is and what what isn't a WOTUS. So now you have, you're going back to uh, what they propose here in a step one rulemaking, a significant nexus test. So that would involve, you know, in my estimation, uh, just a bunch of murkiness in terms of what is jurisdictional, what is not. Uh, so in terms, you know, the agencies are also citing uh, that there's basically zero economic impact to this rule, but they're essentially expanding the net of what is a WOTUS, or at the very least, you're going to have to have, you know, Army Corps of Engineers regulatory staff out at your property, to your farms and ranches, and trying to do a, a significant nexus test jurisdictional determination here that could take in reality weeks, months, and in the meantime, you know, regulatory staff turnover. Uh, you know, what a bureaucratic nightmare uh, for our farmers and ranchers out there. I hope Elizabeth can edit out my finger tapping because I get more agitated when we when we start talking about this, because what we're hearing uh, from Washington is that they want to um, essentially, quote unquote, restore the Clean Water Act and and provide more clarity and certainty. But the navigable water protection rule did what others have not done for decades, and that's, that's actually give us clarity and certainty as to what is a water of the U.S. and what is not, and in fact, what is left to state and local jurisdictions. So it certainly appears, Dan, from what you're saying here, there's a two-step process that in reality right now, we as farmers and ranchers don't have clarity. Is that true? Yeah, that's absolutely true. So, yeah, what we have right now in front of us is, you know, what they're calling a step one rulemaking, uh, followed by, you know, which takes us back to, uh, I guess, formally, if you will, to that pre-2015 rule, um, and then followed by what they're calling a step two rulemaking, where they will write a broader rule. So, in my opinion, if you um, you think this is bad, you know, wait for, for step two here. Uh, we, we don't know what that looks like, um, you know. Gary, you obviously you presented testimony um, at uh, EPA's virtual hearing uh, last week, and uh, you made several several good points. Um, you know, you laid out a strong case of why EPA and and the Army Corps of Engineers should not rewrite this rule. So, you know, again, the agencies, you know, they say they say simply say that they're going back to a known and familiar framework. Well, you know, maybe that's true, but we certainly at Farm Bureau do not like the familiarity of, of the <laughs> previous previous rule and, you know, want to, you know, our goal is to uphold the nav- navigable waters protection rule. You know, I don't know that a known and familiar framework, i.e. the significant nexus test, gives us certainty or clarity. I mean, ultimately, it leads us to the conclusion that certainly they want more features in, right? And that's under federal control versus state and local. So, you know, the significant nexus test, you know, when I hear that, 
in my mind, I, I'd like to say Nix the Nexus. Like th- <laughs> this does not give us the clarity other than the clarity of follow the water, right? And so can you just list off some of the features that we're really talking about that really yeah. come into question? Right. You're talking ditches, ephemeral streams, you know, that's been talked about. That's really where a lot of the center of this fight is going to be on your streams that, that run only during a rainfall event. They're dry really any other time would be jurisdictional, low spots uh, in your in your fields, impoundments, um, adjacent wetlands. Um, so, again, in, in my estimation, really broadens the net of uh, it really kind of goes back to those those maps that we had on the last go around where basically everything was a WOTUS, right? So that's what this reminds me of. But uh, you, you so, tell me. So, no, when we did the analysis in 2015, when the Obama administration was rewriting um, the regulatory framework, you know, the, the analysis showed that 99.7% of Missouri would have fallen under federal jurisdiction. And, and that was what we were working against. And that's why we fought so hard to ditch the rule and why truly Missourians and Missouri Farm Bureau led the charge and, and why Missouri became the epicenter of that debate. And so now with this administration, we keep hearing that, well, we're not going to go back to the Obama era rules. But what does that mean? Because what I have found through through the years of working on this issue is there really is no in-between. You know, mm-hmm. Dan, you heard testimony on the EPA hearing as well. And what I gleaned from a number of folks who testified is that literally they believe that drop of water, as soon as it hits the land and it works its way to a stream and ultimately to a navigable water, that that they believe everything essentially is a water of the U.S. And so it really comes down to, are we talking about water features or are we talking about features on dry land that right. are only carrying yeah. water at certain times of the year, right? It, it seems to me that the latter is where this, this rule is headed, um, and that, that's the scary part about it. Well, many of our uh, listeners will remember there was a picture that we used within Farm Bureau that, that could have been a picture from any one of our crop fields or, you know, for that matter, one of our pastures. You know, essentially an erosional feature. Right. And that would be categorized or, or fall under the ephemeral category. All right. And, and I'll never forget, as we've had conversations with regulators and you point out this erosional feature in a field and you say, OK, is this a WOTUS or not? And the answer becomes, well, we honestly have to have boots on the ground. We have to survey the situation. Right. We, we have to set foot there. And, and really, in my mind, Dan, as a farmer and thinking about your family as a farm family, you know, all of us have erosional features on our farms, Absolutely. right? That, that's the reality of dealing with Mother Nature. And, and, and are there enough boots to put on the ground across the country to, to do the permitting <laughs> that would be required if you expand the true reach of the Clean Water Act, like what we may see or what's under discussion? Right. I mean, in my experience, deal, again, dealing with Missouri River issues, you know, regulatory, the regulatory arm of the Corps of Engineers is the most frustrating, um, you know, arm of the agency to, to deal with. And again, uh, you know, sometimes that, that uh, part of the agency doesn't always, uh, doesn't always mesh with, uh, you know, the current leadership at, at the Army Corps of Engineers. So whole host of problems there, you know, obviously good people that work in, in those agencies as well, not trying to paint with a broad brush. But anyway, it uh, certainly, we talked about murkiness of this rule and getting someone out to your farm to do a, do a, a a nexus test determination 
again, I've been told, um, you know, again, working with our partners, American Farm Bureau, I asked a specific question about what does this mean in real life? And the answer was, well, this could be weeks, months. And again, we know all the turmoil with the federal agencies right now and vaccine mandates and that kind of thing in terms of uh, do they have the staff available to, to do these kind of things? Uh, gosh, it, it sure uh, leaves me uh, with, with lots of doubt. So, so to again, to distill this, where are we at? We know mm-hmm. step one is underway right now, yes. and that's to scrap the navigable water protection rule and take us back to pre-2015, which is the significant nexus test or determination that we have both referenced. So that's where we're at. We don't yet know the timeline for step two, Correct. but what we do know is step one's underway now. We've had virtual hearings. Are the virtual hearings done? They are done uh, for, for now. So for now. We, we've not heard anything more. Uh, Missouri Farm Bureau had had joined other state farm bureaus and asking for um, uh, re- they, they asked us for names of regional roundtables. And, you know, those names were submitted before I arrived on the scene so t- late last year. We've not heard anything about the regional roundtables that are that are going to take place. Uh, Garrett, you had mentioned uh, that specific point in your, your testimony, and that would be a reason for extending the comment period. So uh, one thing I know about the navigable waters protection rule that it was re- really, they really went the extra mile to gather uh, feedback from stakeholders. And I just don't see that same level of effort here. It, it's almost like, you know, hey, the decision's already been made. It's a, you know, check the box type exercise that happened with these virtual hearings. And uh, so, you know, maybe these roundtables will take place under step two. We're hearing that possibly step two will happen later this year. Maybe it could extend into 23. I'm not sure, but we still certainly have a, a, a long length of uncertainty here about this whole topic, which is greatly concerning uh, for our farmers out there. So, Dan, we've heard in recent days this is, that the Supreme Court may actually yeah. take up a, a case that's actually been working its way through the courts for some time, a case from out west in Wyoming. Do you know anything about that or what are we hearing? You know, I just heard about that on Monday, so I don't know a great deal about it, but it deals with the 2006 uh, Rapanos case at the Supreme Court. And, and uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, the Missouri or I'm sorry, the U.S. Supreme Court did did say that uh, uh, that they will take that that case and uh, possibly there will be a decision next summer or, or this summer. I'm sorry. Um so because of that, you have, you know, our champions like Congressman Graves saying that, uh, hey, that's that's a good reason itself to halt this whole process. If the Supreme Court is going to possibly take action here. They're going to hear the case. They're going to issue a ruling. Maybe we just need to do a timeout. And, you know, short of that, um, he also has asked for an extension of the comment period to 90 days on this. We've not heard anything um, significant in terms of that there would, would be an extension. Congressman Graves and another member of Congress said, you know, normally 90 days is pretty standard on any kind of federal rulemaking, especially of this kind of uh, nature, of this amount of substance here. Um, but again, it's just uh, radio silence uh, for right now. So we're operating of the assumption that February 7th is the comment period deadline. And again, we'll be working with our partners and delivering, you know, a broad uh, set of comments here in, to reflect, you know, the views of our, our members on this issue. Okay. And, and we do have an action alert that is online that went live uh, the same night that I was able to testify. So how how can our listeners, how can our members take action and 
share their specific comments on this rulemaking? Yeah, we made it super easy for them. MoFB.com uh, slash Action Center. That's Action Dash Center. So to be specific. Uh, but yeah, it's, we've got a preloaded message there. Uh, better yet, you can customize a message to the, to the EPA. Um, but uh, again, super easy, just a couple clicks and you can, can send that off and we encourage our members to do that and, and let the agencies know how you how you feel on this issue. Well, that's great. And I, I want to continue to underscore, you know, much work has been done by this organization because of members like you who are listening uh, to try to inject common sense and clarity into what hasn't really been provided since 1972. And what we have argued over and over again is that cooperative federalism should be alive and well in, in, in all the regulatory framework. And, and in, this case, in this case, with the administration of the Clean Water Act, uh, don't overlook state and local authorities and, and government. And certainly, uh, we believe that bright line should remain in place. And, and that's what the Navigable Water Protection Rule did. It did so only after officials had traveled the country talking to farmers and ranchers and others who were affected right. by the Clean Water Act, as well as state regulatory officials who administer uh, Clean Water Act programs under their purview, right? So much work was done. It was only in place a year, like you said, and I want to stress that again. We had that rule. We had that clarity or certainty for one year, folks, one year. And you're exactly right that we are calling into question this significant environmental deterioration or degradation that they are saying it happened in one year's time. We find that hard to believe. Dan, you got your work cut out for it, for you, but you're in the trenches. You're working on this issue. Drive us home with the take-home messages for our listeners. Well, look, again, encourage folks to, uh, to uh, submit the comments online. Again, we made it super easy to do that. It's important the agencies... Um, uh, hear from you on this. You know, you know, I keep thinking about this, and we say this all the time, but it is true. Uh, there's no better steward of the land than our farmers and ranchers. If you don't take care of the land, the land is not going to take care of you. So we want to protect our natural resources to pass on to future generations, and that's what it's all about. We're not out there to to deliberately pollute the the, the water, the land, the land landscape. We want to do our part, but but this rule is not it. This doesn't get us there. This gets us, uh, you know, bogged down in red tape, confusion, frustration. Uh, so really, we'd like this all to go go away, um, and encourage people to uh, to send that message and get us back to the uh, navigable waters protection rule. Well, what I'm hearing you say is we as farmers and ranchers support clean water and clear rules. Okay. That's right. And in this case, uh, we need to ditch this proposal that uh, is currently under discussion now. Let's get back to the clarity that we have worked so hard hard to get, and that's maintain the navigable water protection rules. So if you all have questions, feel free to drop Dan an email at dan.ingeman, E-N-G-E-M-A-N-N, right? Correct. Correct. You got it right. All right. Good, good German last name there. Dan.ingeman at MOFB.org. Drop him a note. Um on this topic or any other regulatory matters, really. I'm, I'm driving right. members your way, Dan. Yes. Uh, but truly, uh, to our listeners, thank you for the work that you've done through the years. It's because of you that Farm Bureau has such a strong policy on this matter. And we as farmers can support uh, clean water, but we've got to have clarity in terms of the regulatory framework. So, so help us send that message. Please go to our, our action center at the MOFB website, and let's send a message to Washington, D.C.
Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Digging In.